All right, so uh, we've been talking about the goodness of God for the last couple of weeks. Um, actually, Sarah started it last week, and um, get my notes up here. There we go. And you know, I was I was going over that, and and the goodness of God. You know, we we always talk about the goodness of God, and you know, He loves us, and He He is kind to us, and He provides for us, and we go over all those things, but very rarely do we dive into looking at what He's done for us in His goodness. And I was kind of just thinking about what I was going to talk about this week, and I, I found this um, uh, thing online, and I'm reading it, and I was like, my gosh, and I was going over, and I, I wanted to go over the adoption. You know, we, we talk about adoption, and, and you know, you always see the, the commercials on TV for adoption, adopt in, in, in Michigan, take care of the people in your community, and, and you know, adoption is, is not just a small step. Adoption is a huge step. Um, it's not something you take, ah, oh, just take three of them and let's go. It's not like going to the party store and grabbing a couple of Cokes out of the freezer and saying, hey, I'll take these three, and then you go home. It is, it is a process, and it doesn't, it's not for the faint of heart. You, you bring in children and, and kids that have issues or, or abuse in their life, and you have to work through that. And so I was thinking about that and how God adopts us, and I'm like, Man, he brings a lot of hot mess in a lot of times. You know, when, when we're speaking, it's, you know, when we talk, God's like, oh, oh my gosh, what, what did you just say? You know, as parents, we do that sometimes. We, we look at our kids and go, what did you just do? I love you, but what did you just do? And so I was really thinking about, you know, when God adopts us, you know, it, it and, um, First John 1, or excuse me, John 1, 12 says, But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave us the right. I mean, it's not like, well, I kind of choose you and I kind of don't. And I was going over the goodness of God, and, you know, I, I like to have other streams of information coming into me, and, and different uh, speakers, different things like that. And this... And I, I always find somebody that's contrary to my belief system to challenge me so I can, I can cringe and go, no, and, and it frustrates me, but it also helps me grow in what I believe and how to uh, facilitate what I believe. And the guy was going over and he says, well, some were predestined to be chosen by God. And I said, and I'm listening to him and, and, and I'm like, and then I got, I got home and I, I said to Sarah, I said, I said, what he was saying goes against everything of a loving God who gives us free will to choose him and to, to walk, to be adopted into his kingdom. Predestination says, well, you're going to be good and you're not going to be good. And, and I'm not going to get into theological arguments with people, but God who chose us, it says in Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. So if he knew all of us before we were formed in our mother's womb, that means that he had some desire to, to be with us, some desire to know us. And when I started to read that and listen to what that gentleman was saying, I said, that goes against everything that I know as God is a father who loves us and wants to bring us into his house and his family and set us at the table. I mean, David says he sets me before my enemies at a table and says, hey, look what I have. And his enemies have to look at what he has. So that, that would go against everything of a loving God, but he gave us the right to. So that means we have a choice. You know, Jesus says, I am the, I am the only way to the Father. And, he, and when he's saying that, he's not saying, well, you have to. 
do exactly what I do, but he says, I am the door. He goes, no one goes to the Father except through me. So when, when God says, hey, I love you, I'm gonna st-, he says he stands at the door and he knocks. So he's sitting there, hey, he's knocking on a heart. He's saying, hey, you know, I need you to answer this door. And when we are born again, when we receive Christ, we open that door to him. And then he says, hey, now you can become my sons and daughters. Everybody's thinking, Penny, Penny, <laughs> Penny. Sorry. Um, but I was really just examining who God is and, and going through a couple books and, and different things like that that I've been reading. And it blows my mind to... to really dive into the, the understanding of who God is as a father. Um, I could speak on that for 10 years straight. Um, and his goodness is so overwhelming that I was reading and listening to it, and I'm, I'm actually weeping as I'm reading some of this stuff because he's reminded me of the stuff that I didn't remember about him. You know, we, when we see a person for a, a long period of time and we get to know them and we, we know all, like when you're married, you know all the, the bad traits and the good traits of your husband and your, and your wife and you, and it, it, I don't pick up my socks and, and she, she leaves the closet door open, whatever it is, but you get to know things about each other. Some things are like, okay, I, we've got to work through this. But when you don't have a relationship with someone for a long time and you get to know and you, you see them again, you don't remember something about them. You know, like a friend you haven't seen in 10 years. You know their name, you know some of the things, but when you start to, to hang out with them and you start to walk with them and you start to talk to them and you're oh yeah, I forgot about this. And God it was revealing certain things to me about his nature and I'm like, oh, man. It's not that I didn't want to know, it's that sometimes we forget who God is because we're so focused on certain aspects of God in our, in our life because we become single-minded sometimes. And... He was just revealing himself to me, and I was like, okay. I'm like, God, you, you're showing me this, and this is what I, I'm, you put in my heart to preach on. And I'm like, thank you for giving me ammunition to preach on by showing me even more of who you are. But let's pray real quick. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you are a good God, and you are present with us. You are loving, you are kind, you are always waiting for us to turn to you, God. And we just thank you that when we turn to you, God, that you are ready and waiting with arms open. We thank you, God. We praise you and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to tell you a little story. Uh, 1950s, um, somewhere in that area, I don't have an exact date, but 1950s, a six-year-old boy is left abandoned by his parents in Kenya. He lives in the streets until a man takes him in 10 years later. So he's 16 years old, spent 10 years on the street in Kenya. He grows up and um, he's adopted by this man, brings him in, and he starts driving taxi. A couple years later, he starts driving a bus. A couple years later, he starts his own business with owning taxis. Grows his business, grows his business, jump forward about 25 years, or excuse me, 20 years. And a gentleman in the mid... about the early 80s, his name is Charles Mully. By that time, he's a multi-millionaire. Um, he came from the slums of um, the capital of Kenya. Um, 25 years later, he's a multi-millionaire. He owns multiple businesses. He owns multiple gas and oil businesses. And um, one day, he has an experience. He's, he's out doing something, and his car gets stolen. And um, 
he uh, he goes and he goes to get his car and um, he's standing there and there's about four or five boys and they're taunting him and saying things to him and he um, gets his car back and, and goes back and he gets in his car and he um, and in his words he goes I was haunted by their eyes he goes because I saw them these were homeless kids. Uh, street kids, and um, he says, I was haunted by their eyes because I saw myself in them. Um, so he, in that moment, he breaks down and, and um, he uh, starts to cry out to God. This, this man's a Christian, and um, God tells him, he goes, I am making you the father to the fatherless. So the next day, or that day he goes home, talks to his wife. The next day, him and his wife grab their vehicle and they go back out. And I believe, don't quote me on this, it was five or six orphans. They picked them up off the street and brought them home. And um, a couple years later, he sold everything he had. He sold all of his businesses, everything he had. And he says, I will no longer work to make money, but I will work to make people better and for the kingdom of God. And... Um, it reminded me of, of God, this man who had everything. I mean, he's a multimillionaire in Kenya. I mean, that, that takes a lot to be a multimillionaire in Kenya. Um, but he goes out and he looks for children. And he looks for kids that he can bring in. And when I saw that, I, you know, God's working on things on, on me, what, I, what he wants me to know and... And I'm watching some of the, the stories that are going on here, and I'm just like, it's like this man is representing the heart of the Father. He's going out and he's looking for people, and he's looking for children that need a home, that need care, and that need love. And Second Corinthians 5.18 says this, this is all this from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. I love that Paul's not saying, hey, we're recommending this. He goes, I'm imploring you. He's basically saying, I'm... I'm asking you, a strong begging you, I'm imploring you, I'm, I'm commanding you, be reconciled to Christ. For our sake he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I love that. It, 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 he redeemed us. He didn't have to. He brought us in. He said, you know what, you freely accept me, you br- I bring you in, I've reconciled you, and now I've made you righteous. And um, I've got a video for you guys to watch. If someone wants to hit the lights real quick, I want you guys to watch this real quick. Thank <laughs> you. 
That video, wow. Um, there's actually, I found this in about two, three years ago. They, um, 
actually created a documentary about Charles Mully, um, went over, it's a movie, um, and I was watching clips of it and, and different things like that, and I'm just like, I'm like trying to keep a, a composed face, and, but what I love about that is he understands the heart of the father when it comes to adoption. 2,000 children. They've brought 12,000, almost 13,000 children in um, in this entire... Um, 2014 was 25 years of this foundation, and they brought about 13,000 children in up to 2014. And it, it makes me think about God. When I see a man like this who shows the love of the Father to them, He's not just oh I, I'm bringing in kids and we're gonna we're gonna you know bring them in orphanage. He he's not just bringing them into an orphanage. This is not an orphanage. This is home, and he doesn't just bring them in and, and feed them and put them through school and send them back out. He trains them how to be a part of society and how to um, be empowered. Um, if you know African nations and you know most third world countries, they don't empower women. Women are, are objects and uh, commodities that are bought and sold and traded. Um, one of the girls that was on that video, uh, her brother sold her into sex slavery. And um, Charles brought her, uh, brought her out of that and brought her into the family. But they call him Daddy Molly. And every one of those kids call him Dad. And... and for adoption, when you look at a natural adoption, it takes a lot of kids a long time to trust a parent and, and to love that parent and to actually call them father. But God is so loving and so kind that when he brought us in, he said, I call you my sons, I call you my daughters, you're a royal priesthood. He doesn't say, oh, you're my, you're my servants. He didn't bring us in as servants. Romans 8, 14 through 17 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom you cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. What I love is this, is he says, he did not bring us out of slavery for us to fall back into fear. If you look at the, the children there, they, they spent most of their time, as we've spent most of, a lot of our lives, our spiritual lives, until we brought in, in, in a dark place, dragged from one place to the other, sold, bought and sold by whatever wind of whatever we were dragged away by, took us away. But God stands there and He seeks us out. And He says, I'm looking for my children. He's like, I'm looking for children. I want my children to be with me. And Charles Mully, he, he, this man's amazing. He's in his uh, 60s right now, almost 70s. And he goes out every night still. Him and his wife still go out every night with workers and they, and they bring kids off the street. And, and God, God said to me, he goes, that's the job of the church. It is to go out every night and every day and bring those who are lost and abandoned and abused and bring them in to the home. Bring them in so God can minister to them. God can heal them. 
You know, I, I love that kid. He goes, without, with, God, with God, all things are possible. And God's adoption, he doesn't say, okay, well, I've got to go through three months of adoption and, and uh, I've got to pay fines and I've got to pay. But he did. We, we think of adoption, we have to pay, but he sent his son who paid that price so we could be adopted. Instead of saying, well, you know, I, I, I don't know if I have time for this one and I have time for that. He, sent, he paid it one time so all of us could be brought in. But he calls us heirs. Slaves don't know what their master is doing, but sons and daughters know what, the, what their father is doing because they're co-heirs, they're co-laborers, and they work with them and they understand what is going on so they can be part of it. Charles Molly had eight children when he decided to start this foundation. That's a lot of kids, I'm just saying. I mean, I got two and that's, that's enough to keep me busy. But he had eight children. And he brought hundreds of them in. But God is so focused on you because He wants your heart. He wants you. And He loves you. Charles Mully looks at those children and he, and he, he looks at them through the, the eyes of God and says, they're, they're worth more than what people think they are, sleeping under um, cardboard huts and tarps and, and out in the middle of the streets. God sees you and He sees value in you because He sees there is something greater in you than what we see in ourselves right now. And He brings us in because He wants us to be part of the family. It's not, well, I guess if you show up, you show up. And our job as the church is to go out to the alleys and the slums and the, and the areas that no one wants to go to and, and say, you know what, I know a man and he loves me and he will take you in and he will love you. And for some people that's hard. Some people that's really hard to understand the love of the Father. But God is so good and he's so gracious and he's so kind and he chases after us. And there's, I was reading different things. There was times where he would go back 10 or 12 times to these kids and say, I can bring you in, I can take you in, and they would reject him. And they would reject him. No, 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 no. They were afraid to leave because they didn't know what was going on. Because over there, people are bought and sold. But he would bring people in the same way the Father does, and he grabs you and he hugs you and he holds you. And he says, I love you, and your value isn't, isn't placed on what you've done, but what my son has done. My, what my son has done is, is where your value is because your sin doesn't define you anymore when you're born again. Your, his son covered you. It says that... There's a book that I've read and I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's by Kenneth Hagin. He says, when we, when we look at God, we see God. But when he looks at us, he sees us through the blood of Jesus. He looks at us and it's like he has rose-colored glasses on that are blood, the blood of Jesus and he sees us and says, okay, that's my son and he is perfect and he is well-pleased and I am going to accept them. But people don't understand that. They think, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do this in order for God to love me and it's not that way. God loves you while you're doing that. He loves you while you're in your worst. You know, look at David. God called him a man after his own heart. This guy had a guy murdered because he liked slept with his wife. He, he, yeah, I mean, but at the end, David knew how to reconcile to God. 
You know, David's life was like this, flip-flop, flip-flop, flip-flop. He's in a pit one day, and then he's like, oh, God's great, and he, he's taking care of me. And then the next day, he's like, God, why have you abandoned me? And David went through trials, but he knew who his father was. He knew where the source of life came from, and he said, you know what? I place my trust in you, my rock, my shield. He understood who God was, and God loved him. But David understood how to be corrected by his father and how to be challenged by his father and how to be loved by his father. And I think in our culture, we're so individualistic that it's hard sometimes for us to become part of something. It's hard for us to be identified as a group. You know, my dad loves his motorcycles and, and he drives motorcycles. And I asked him one day, I said, Dad, I said, why do all bikers think they're unique? And nothing against people who drive motorcycles. I said, but Dad, I said, everybody wears the same leather. Everybody drives the same motorcycle. It sounds exactly the same, but they call themselves unique. And I said, he's like, yeah, I never realized that. He goes, I get taunted all the time because I drive a Goldwing. So I was like, okay. But he was like, yeah, I understand. Because I see a hundred guys that have the same jacket on. But they're... We're so individualistic and we have our own rights and this is who I am. It's hard for us to relate to God and say, you know, I'm going to surrender my who I am to become what you want me to become. And, and adoption is, is, for God, is not just, well, I'm going to take you in, but it's I'm going to take you in, I'm going to transform you into something. I'm going to make you into something that I saw in you before you knew what you were. And so... A lot of times we we like well you know I yes I'm adopted by God but I'm only going to let a, a let him have, have him this much I'm only going to allow him this much into my life because I have fear of this and I have anger in this issue and I won't allow him to go anywhere in this issue I know he loves me and he's a good God but I'm not going to allow him to enter into this part of my life. And for us, God, when he adopts us, he's not like forcing us, you have to change this and you have to change this. We've all been in that, that kind of uh, mentality where you have to do this. And it's like, that is not how the Father works. He says, I'm going to graciously lead you in it. It's your choice. God is not forceful in anything he does. He says, it's your choice to love me and it's your choice to walk away from me. It's your choice to be adopted or not. But when he adopts us, he's like, okay, you're part of the family now. There's responsibilities um, with my kids, you know, it, I, I we always have some things. This is what you do. You go water the animals or you go take out the trash or whatever. But there's responsibilities when you're part of the family. And our responsibility when it comes to being part of the family of God is is allowing Him to change us. Allowing our hearts to become His heart. And it takes time sometimes. Sometimes God just radically transforms your heart. And then there's other times where it's like, oh yeah, I didn't realize I was hiding that away from God. Because sometimes we don't deal with the issues that we have. But First John 3, 1 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that they did not know Him. And I think so many times 
excuse me, that we love God, we know God, but there's so many times where God is like, you know what, I want to know you, but do you want to know me? God is as deep and as wide as we can ever, more than ever imagine. And there's times where it's like, okay, I know God, I know I'm adopted. And then God's like, oh yeah, by the way, this. And you're like, oh man, he just nailed me on that one. God's like, I adopted you. Yep, I'm a son and daughter of God. He goes, now you have value. Oh wait, oh yeah, I have value? Now I have purpose? God gives us adoption so he can put value into us, tell us who we are, not what we are. The world tells us what we are, but God tells us who we are. God defines who we are. The world says, well, you're this, so this is what you are. God says, this is who you are. Now you go out and define what the world should say. And so adoption brings us in, and, and, and to know who the God, he, he doesn't just say, oh yeah, by the way, you're adopted, and never shows back up again. God is not an absentee father. God doesn't just show up every now and then and go, hey, sport, here's a present, and then drive off. God isn't that way. When he adopts us, he brings us in, and he brings us into the, the, the family room and into the dining room, and he says, sit at the table with me because I love you. Here's food, eat, here's clothing. You look at the prodigal son. His son walks away from him, and that is the story of every one of us. We walk away from the father, we take what we want, and we come back, and, and the father says, he's... He, I love the prodigal son because it says the father was looking off down the road for his son. So that means he probably did that on a daily basis. Not just like, oh yeah, once a month. Nope, not there, and then take off. He was spending time looking down the road to see where his son was. And when the son comes back, he doesn't just say, oh yeah, hey, what's up? He literally takes a, a calf and, and, and kills it for the feast. He puts a robe on him. He cleans him up. He puts a ring on him. Because of what he did when he put that ring on him, says, you're my son again. I'm bringing you back into the family no matter what you did, no matter what, how much of my inheritance you blew, or your inheritance of mine that you blew out there, you're going to come back. And I'm going to put a ring on you and you're going to be my son and I'm going to place you into the place that you were before you left. So when we except Christ. Christ brings us in and he says, you know what, I've had a place here for you the entire time, just been waiting for you. He's got a chair at the, the table and he says, this is my son's chair, this is my daughter's chair, and their name's on it, and a little reserve sign on it. And it says, I'm waiting for them to come in, they're going to sit here, so don't anybody sit here. Your chair's there, your chair's there, your chair's there. But he says, you know what, I'm waiting for him to come and when he comes back in, I'm going to grab him, I'm going to drag him by the hand and say, here's your chair, you're right next to me, you get all the good stuff. But he doesn't wait. God doesn't say, well, you know, hey, he didn't show up. I'm just going to, let's just eat without him. No, he's like, we're going to wait for this one. Because I, I find value in you. I find value in everyone in this world. And so when someone says, well, God only chose certain people. No, that, that's completely against the characteristics of a God who loves the nations. This is, he's the desire of the nations. If he's the desire of the nations, that means doesn't mean, well, eeny, meeny, miny, he chooses the nations. So that means he loves everyone and wants everyone to come in. So when he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, he says, your seat's right here, come sit with me. Because when you're seated next to a king, that means you have authority, that means you have power, that means you have some rights 
as an heir to the kingdom. And so, when God says, you know what, I love you and I want you to come into me and I want, I want you to come into my household and my family, he's not saying this on just like, I need to add more people. I'm trying to meet a quota. God's heart is, I want none to perish. I want all to be with me. I don't want anyone to be, to, to be lost. His job is to send us out and say, you know what, God loves you. God wants a relationship with you. Whether you're far from God or near from God, God wants a better relationship with you. I don't think we ever can have a perfect relationship with God. The perfect relationship with God is when we are rejoicing with Him in heaven. But our, our relationship, we can always be, in our relationship now, can always be brought in even farther into the house. Because adoption is not is not a one time thing. It's a it, excuse me. It's not an instantaneous thing. Adoption is okay. You're brought into the house. You ever walked into a giant house and you're like they're like this is the man and this is the sitting room and this is and, and our life with God is Him adopting us and bringing us through the house and say okay this is where we eat lunch and then this is where we sit and listen to records and this is where we we sit and we eat our afternoon snack and then this is where we eat dinner and then He goes well this is just the the the, the main entrance let me show you through our adoption with God is Him walking us through the kingdom saying I'm going to show you what you have as an inheritance. This this gentleman Charles Molly he doesn't just bring the kids in and say oh here you go. They, they bring kids in and they, because they love them and they, and they, they want the, the best for them. And, and he brings them in and he, he doesn't just say, oh, here you go, here's some clothes and you go sit in an orphanage. They feed them. They give them what they need to, to live life. And they bring them out and they make successful. They've had a majority of their graduates that they've had have become doctors, lawyers, and um, you know, high-paying jobs because they've trained people. And his heart for that is incredible. But the heart of the Father is just a, a, a sliver of what you're seeing through him. You're seeing a sliver of the heart of the Father through him. And this man loves God. And if he loves God to bring in children, how much more should we love God to bring in everyone? His mission is children. But the house of God is there for everyone. Like I said, your seat is there, your name is on it. But he's like, I want you to be there. I want you to sit there. Sit with me so I can talk with you. And I believe God is saying, you know what? If you have a heart, if you have my heart, you will have a heart for adoption. You will have a heart to see people reconciled to me. Not just the lost. Anytime you see someone, you ever, you ever been around people and you're just like, you know what? You're real, you know, you're out in public somewhere and someone's just acting stupid and you're just like, yep, I can't be around them. And then you walk away from them, and then about 20 minutes later, God's like, yeah, I really wanted you to stand around them too. And you're just like, that conviction is like, okay, yeah, I probably should have stayed around there. And, you know, there's times where I was, I've been in public, and I'm just like, oh, I can't be next to this person. And then God's like, about five minutes later, he's like, yeah, I put you next to that person on person on purpose, excuse me. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me that before that person came up? <laughs> And I'm like, he's like, uh, God likes to do that. He, God's a little funny sometimes. He likes to he likes to trick us a little bit and get us out of our comfort zone. And then he tells us what he wants us to do. Instead of telling us what we should do and then putting us in that situation. So uh, be prepared for that. But I look at that person that we, we tend to walk away from. 
That's the person God wants. That's the person God wants as, an, as a son and a daughter. God doesn't go around looking for the, the best dressed and the, the, the most well-mannered and the most rich person to say, hmm, I want that person. They don't make enough, so I don't want that person. God goes through the slums and he goes through the, he goes through the streets and he says, no, I want that person and I want that person. He's sitting up in heaven going, I want that one and I want that one and I want that one. It's like our kids when they go to the toy store. I want that, I want that, I want that. God's like, I want everything. Because he will not, he will not rest. God does not rest and, and say, well, I'm done looking for people today. He, he looks at the world and says, I love them all. And I want them all. God doesn't have standards that he chooses. He, he's like, well, I don't really like them. I don't like their, their hair color or anything like that. He says, I want everyone. But there's one thing that he does require. It says to call in the name of Jesus and you will be saved. I love John, John 1, 12. All who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them rights to become the children of God. We have one job when it comes to being adopted is to call out in the name of Jesus. He says, you call in the name of Jesus and you shall be saved. God goes and seeks out the lost. But he challenges us and he tells us, go make disciples of men. So that means we have to go look for someone. Our job, as Paul says, is reconciliation. So when we are out, we are looking in the, through the glasses of how do I reconcile people to Christ? How do I bring them into the family where that seat is there with their name on it and he's waiting for them to come sit by him? It's weird in heaven because when you're with God, your seat is always next to God. God is that way. So you're not like at the end of the row, hey God, how you doing? You know, God is, you're for, I don't know how it works, but you're always next to God and he's always there sitting next to you and he's always communicating with you. He, he doesn't have his favorites. He goes, well, this is Jesus' seat. Of course, Jesus has his seat, but you know, it's like, he doesn't say, well, Jordan, go here and, you know, Matt, go way down there. And you, you know, you ever been at that restaurant and you're like, hey, what you guys talking about? <laughs> it's not that way. You're sitting next to God. It's like this giant, awesome table. But he says, come to me and I will give you rest. And I believe that's what adoption is. Adoption is rest. It's coming into the heart of the Father and sitting next to him and saying, this is rest. Because God doesn't bring you in and say, okay, you're adopted now, now get back out there and work. There's a moment where God says, it's time for you to rest in me and know who I am. I love it says, be still and know that I am God. Ever tried to be still? Yeah, it's a little hard sometimes. But when God says, be still and know that I am God, He's saying, be still and know who I am. Know my heart. Know who I am. Let's pray.